0: to Romans chapter 8. I've been talking about vision in the last few weeks, and we've been talking about our, our word for our church this year is our words make room, and we talked about the first week making room for God in our hearts, and how important that is, and how sometimes our lives get cluttered with all kinds of things, and they don't. we don't intend for them to get cluttered, Uh, But they do get cluttered, and uh, so we ask God to help us get the things out of our lives that don't belong there, that are are just keeping the goodness of God and the great things that God has for us, uh, and get those things out so God can reside in our hearts, and we believe that. And then last week, we talked about making room at the table and how God has a place for you, and we talked about our relationship. First week, about our vertical relationship with God, and then we were talking about our our horizontal relationships with with people, and how the first four Ten Commandments deal with my relationship with the Lord, and the last six deal with my relationship with people, and and uh, it was it was very simple. We had the illustration. I brought a table up here last week, and we kept adding chairs to the table. And and, and what happens when the table gets full is we just add another table. And and can I tell you today? There's room at the table for you, and here at Cornerstone, there's room. And if you're watching online, I'm going to tell you, there's room at the table for you here. We believe that, and uh, and I and I I I 100% believe that. I believe that is God speaking to us. And this this week, I was thinking about what direction to go, and and I believe that God. I mean, God just is blowing my mind because. He's, he's, when we make room for him, he does things like, like this morning, what you just saw. When we allow him to do that, we can have an agenda, we can have a plan, and that's all good and that's all dandy. But let me tell you something, I'd rather be in his plan and his purpose and his promise, amen? That's just me speaking today, okay? And uh, But I want to talk to you just, uh, just briefly, and, and thank you, Brother Larry. Thank you so much for doing that for me today. I, he didn't know I was doing that. I just—he's so good. He just caught that just like that. Uh, um, uh, This—I want to talk to you about making room for his purpose. Making room for his purpose, and uh, I want to tell you today that you have a purpose, and God has a destiny, and God has a plan for your life. You say, "Well, I'm old." God has a purpose. God has a plan, and God has a destiny for your life. Okay. And I don't know if you know the story of, of Caleb and Joshua, but they were, they were older when they got into the promised land. And let me, Caleb said, give me my inheritance that I should have had 40 years ago. Here I am. I'm, I'm 85 years old. Give me my inheritance. And I am 85, but I'm still willing to go fight some giants to take what's mine. I love that tenacity. And, and don't believe the lie. Well, I'm old, so put me out the pasture. No, you're just in your better years. Right, you're just in your better years. So, I want to talk to you about that. Make room for His purpose. Romans eight twenty-eight, and uh, God just kind of brought this to me. Uh, I, I was really just kind of struggling on 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 how to put this together. And God does what He does. He knew what He was going to do this morning. I, I I love that. Romans eight twenty-eight says this very 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 popular verse. You hear this verse a lot. It's misquoted a lot, to be honestly, to be honest with you. Uh, it says this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Let me read that again. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Purpose. Now the word purpose um, there, I, I, to give you a definition, I don't want to bore you with definitions, but to give you a definition of the word purpose, I begin to think about that is it's the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. There's a purpose behind you. God has a plan and a promise and a destiny for you. This week we were doing some work here at the church and and have you ever done a job and you didn't have the right tool for the job? That's all the jobs I ever do, okay? That's me, okay? And, uh, and so we're working here at the church, and I, n- I needed uh, like a fish tape, okay? And I have a fish tape at my house, and I live all the way in Williams, and so I was like, man... Do I go all the way back to Williams and go get my fish tape, or do we just try to to do what we were doing? We were running a cord through a corridor that no one in this church knows about but the three or four people that were helping me get through this corridor, okay? And anyways, and in the process of trying to run this cord through this corridor, we um, there was just obstacles that were preventing us from doing what we needed to do. And I... I'm, I'm very, I am very, I worked in the oil field, so I, I look at, I problem solve, I look at what I have around me. So if there's anything around me, there's a good chance that it's probably going to become something that I could probably use. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's just the way I do things, okay? And so I am going through the cabinets here at the church looking for something. And uh, you have to forgive me, Brother David, because I found a, 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 <laughs> I got to buy you one. A Royal Rangers, uh, they have a a hot dog cooking stick, a, a long hot dog cooking stick. I owe you one, okay? And and it was, it had a handle on it, and it was it was long enough to to kind of help steer what we needed to do, but the handle was too big, and so the person I was working with, I won't throw them under the bus. Matt uh, took the the handle. And we, he, said, he, he said, Pastor, you, you want me to break this off? I said, just break it off. I'll, we'll buy another one. I'll buy another one if I have to. And he broke the, the handle off of this. And so we, then we had this long, sharp rod, which, you know, is dangerous for me and Matt. We were like sword fighting. No, we weren't sword fighting. But, um, but we, we, and we took this thing that wasn't designed to do what we needed it to do, but it did what we needed to do. And it, its true intent purpose was to put hot dogs on it and hold over a fire. Not to be a fish tape through corridors in the church that nobody knows about. But through the process, we were able to do that. And I, we got it kind of back together, Brother David, so it's probably still usable, but it's, it's a little bent, just so you know. But we'll, we'll get one. We'll clean it off. We'll put some bleach on it, kill any germs from the corridor or whatever was in there. So there may have been a bat in there. No, there wasn't a bat in there, I promise. So, but I say all that to say this, is there's a purpose for, for you today. And uh, sometimes our purpose gets, gets messed up, and sometimes we, we have a tendency to step into what we think and not what God wants us to do. We, I have my own desires, right? And you have your own desires, and sometimes those desires don't always merge with what God wants. Some of you think back when you were a teenager that you wanted to marry a specific person, and God's desire was for you to marry someone else. And thank God, I didn't marry this person, and God gave me the spouse that I have. And Tristan said, "Amen." Right? But purpose, uh, purpose. So the reason for which something is done or created, or for which something exists. Why do you exist today? Why? Why has God called you by name today? Why has God uh, uh, brought you out? The purpose of why we do things is important. Have you ever done anything with, without any purpose? Probably in the next day or so, when we get snow, you'll probably be doing things with no purpose because you're going to be stuck at home. Right? You'll just be like, hey, I, either you'll, you'll either do that or you'll be like my wife and be like, my purpose is to paint the whole house while we're down. Everyone grab a brush, right? So, and maybe you've started a uh, has anyone ever started a project with no direction? That's dangerous. It's not smart. You gotta count the cost of what the Bible says, right? It, right I and mean, in most instances, uh, it never ends well, right? We we have good intentions, but it never ends well. And um and one of the thing I I don't and if you if you are a connoisseur of, of this type of art, please don't get mad at me. I don't really understand abstract art. I took an art class at college and I had to study abstract art, and I just thought, I feel like a young kid could paint that, you know, and make it look like that. I mean, and I'm sure there's some depth to it, and, and I, I want to try to understand it, but I just don't get it. I'm like, why would you pay top dollar for that? I could I could draw a seven and throw a couple dabs of paint, and I'll sell it to you for the same price, I promise. Um, But... You know, we have a purpose, and God's purpose for us as, as, as believers is twofold. I believe it's to, number one, conform to Christ and, and not our earthly comfort, and, and the second thing is to bring um, fame to God's name. That's it. It's to conform our walk with, with, uh, with Christ, to conform to Christ as we have this relationship with Christ, and also to make Jesus' name famous. Everyone say, make Jesus' name famous. All right. Um, And uh, all that we do and and we go through brings us closer to God. And and as we get closer to God, we give glory to God's name. And and many of us have had dreams uh, over our lives. And and many have been given promises or uh, maybe you've been prophesied over and God's given you a word. And sometimes when we get a word from the Lord, uh, listen, and and, and (laughs) I want to be very careful, words from the Lord are are great. They they are very important. Um, number one, this is what you need to know. If you get a word from somebody, a prophetic word from somebody, if it does not line up with this, it is not right. If someone says you're supposed to marry this person and they're married to someone else, that is a lie because it does not line up with the word of God. Thank you, BJ. Man, I love that. Hold your Bible up. I love that. And uh, and so we, when we get a word from God. Uh, th- that's the litmus test. We we have to run that when when someone gives us a word, be discerning, understand that 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 know that that we it needs to line up with what this says. Okay, here's the second thing. Um, and and God speaks to us through. Th- this is the first way that God speaks to us. And and sometimes we get it backwards as Pentecostals. We think prophetic words are are greater than this, but. This is the ultimate word. That's good teaching right there, and um, so so this is where we get most. Well, this is where we should get all of our promises from. And and I can tell you something. I was I was looking this up, um, and I'm probably going to go uh, a little bit ahead of myself. But the, our purpose is to grow closer, to God. I'm, I'm go back to this here. This is number one. This is this. This we should hear from God with with. Through the word of God, right? That's number one. Number two, the second place that we should hear from God is through our prayer time with the Lord. Okay? And third, and some, and, and and this doesn't happen all the time, but there's prophetic words that are given over us. And I believe God has a promise and God has a destiny for everyone. So our goal is this, to conform to Christ and to make Jesus' name famous. So I want to talk to you about making room for God's purpose, his purpose. If you notice, that says his, it, and on there, everything's in caps. But in mine, it's not all in caps. But H on his is in caps because it's talking about God. Okay? Uh, make room for his purposes. So I want to give you a couple things, three things. I'm going to try to fly through these pretty fast. It, is this. Number one, and, and understand this as a, as a believer. God has given you promises. But here's number one. Remember God's promises. Some of you say, I don't know God's promises. That's because you don't know this. To know God's promises, you got to know this. Can I encourage you in the year 2021, pick up your Bible, start reading it. Turn the news off. Turn Netflix off. Turn Hulu. Turn Disney Plus, Discovery Plus. They're going to bring those all back together and create cable TV eventually. You think I'm lying? It's the truth, all right. But remember God's promises. Everett Storms of of uh, Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. He he uh, reckoned that he figured after reading the Bible twenty seven times in a year and a half. That's impressive. He reckoned after reading the Bible twenty seven times in a year and a half that there were seven thousand four hundred eighty seven promises in the Bible. From God to mankind. Okay, I don't know if that number is 100% accurate. I can't tell you for sure if it is or not. Um, you know, I got that stat from, uh, uh, from a Pepperdine University. Pepperdine's a Christian university in Southern California. You say, well, I don't believe anything in California. Well, then you take it that with a grain of salt. But what that tells me, and, so, and I believe this, I believe there are promises in the Bible, and there's a lot of promises in the Bible, and there's a lot of promises for you. And from me. And we got to understand what those promises are. Uh, King Solomon would would declare in 1 Kings 8.56 that one word would would fail, uh, not one word would fail of the good promises that the Lord gave Moses. So he's going back and he's looking over Moses' life. He said every word that God gave to Moses, he fulfilled. King Solomon was a wise man. Okay, So he said that Paul would write this in 2 Corinthians 1.20. He said, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. All the promises are yes in him. That is why it's through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Okay. Numbers 23.19 says, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he would change his mind. He has he said and will he not do it? Look at your neighbor, said Has He said and will he not do it? That ought to charge your faith, that little state that question. Or has he spoken and he will not fulfill it? What what that's saying is this If God says it, take it to the bank. If God says it, all you gotta do, put your trust in him and take it to the bank. Simply put, he will fulfill it, and I love that about God. I love His promises. And um, can I? Here's some questions, and if, if you if you're not sure what God's promises are, this is what I should uh, questions that I should be asking God about God's promises. Number one, this is you can write this down. This this is good stuff. This is simple though. What is God saying to me? What is God saying to me? Number one. Here's the second one. What is God saying about me? If I'm reading a promise to God, I know what he. I may understand what he's saying to me, but a lot of people have identity problems because they don't know what God is saying about them. Some people struggle with their image, but God, God loves them. He calls them master. He calls them a masterpiece in Ephesians two ten. For you are God's masterpiece. He's created you to do good things long time ago. That's a loose quote, but that's that's what it says. What is God saying about me? That's the second one. Number three, what is God saying through me? That's a good one, too. Those are three things that I think we have to, we have to pay attention to. And and, I, and I, I alluded to this in the places that, where God's promises are given are straight from the Scripture, through prayer, and through prophecy. And, and I, can I tell you this? As a young man, I received... Many words uh, prophesied over my life as a young young man, and I, I mean it was. There was moments where I just knew in a service that if they were going to prophesy over someone, I just they'd be like, "Come here, young man." I'm like, "Oh man," you know. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And I was getting words over my life at at at, at a frequent pace that I. I, I started looking for, for words over my life. And, and as I would get those words, I would start to go places and expect those words. But I neglected to understand that this was the ultimate word over my life. And it caused a lot of confusion in my young, young age. Save you a lot of heartache. I, I, and I'm not saying that, that people that prophesy are wrong. Don't, don't misquote me there. It's not always the case. But I'm just saying this is the litmus test for every prophecy and word given over you. Okay, all right, but I, I want to just, uh, I want to talk to you about this, and there's a story, and I'm going paraphrase to paraphrase this and try to go as quick as possible, and in Genesis 37, there's a, there's a young man by the name of Joseph, and Joseph was probably around 17 years old, and he has this dream, and uh, how many have weird dreams, Sometimes you wake up and go, what in the world was I dreaming, and maybe I should not eat that before I go to bed, right, kind of moment. But he had this dream, and in this dream, he said, uh, and he told his brothers this dream. That was, that was his mistake. He never should have probably told his brothers this dream because they, they already didn't like him because Jacob showed favoritism to him because he was uh, the son of his favorite wife. You guys think you have problems on Valentine's Day. Jacob had a favorite wife and a second wife, you know, you know okay, all right, but anyway, so he showed favoritism to joseph and so and in this dream, he had this dream and and there was these sheaves of of wheat, and they were in the field, and his was was greater, and the other sheaves of wheat went and bowed down to his. Thing. Well, coming from uh, the youngest brother coming into all these you know, older brothers there, and, you know, 10 of them, and tell them, hey, you guys are going to bow down to me. Probably didn't go over too well for him, right? They already didn't like him, but they, uh, he went ahead and he told them that dream. And this is what happens. Sometimes God gives us a dream, and sometimes we throw it out there a little bit too fast when the timing isn't right. And we got to know when to shut our mouth and when to speak things. Because sometimes when we speak something that God has put into our lives, jealousy happens. Other people say, "Well, I wish that was me, and I wish that that was I wish I was where you are or what you're doing or what God's called in your life, and that's not good, and you ought to be careful who you share your dream with and and because some people they just they're jealous of how God is elevating you or is going to use you, and that's what happened here. With Joseph's brother. So here's my second point. I'm, I'm going to cruise through these pretty fast. I'm, I'm, I'm flying through here. Second point, you know, number one is know God's promise. Here's the second one. His, his purpose doesn't mean it's perfect. His purpose doesn't mean perfect, okay? And you remember in Scripture, I'm going to come back to Joseph here in a minute. Jesus would say this in Scripture, it rains on the just and the unjust. What's that tell you? Just because you're saved doesn't mean your life is going to be a bed of roses. Doesn't mean you're not going to have difficulty in your marriage. Doesn't mean you're not going to have difficulty in your health. Doesn't mean that you're going to ha- not going to have difficulty. But, you know, so Jesus said it's, it rains on the just and unjust in Matthew 5.45. And I wish, I wish it was easy. Because here's the thing. If once you were saved, your life was perfect, this church would be full today. We would have to build quick. Because everybody would be coming, regardless if it was snowing or not. Because, hey, if I can come to know God, then my life will be perfect. Right? Can I tell you this? This is what we need to understand. God is perfect, man is not. Okay? So great wisdom. God is perfect, man is not. We we have to know that. And we live in a fallen world where sin and human intentions and weaknesses led by greed and deceit and hate. All you got to do is look at Washington, D.C. right now. There's a lot of dissension and hate going on in a lot of different directions. Right? And we live in a fallen world. And it's crazy because, you know, as a pastor, you get these questions all the time. And people uh, will ask you these things like, "Why, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is my spouse sick? Why did I lose my job? You know, I I attend church. I pay my tithe, and I lost my job, Pastor. Why, Why me? What about this? Why did my family member abuse me? Why am I struggling to make ends meet? And I often cannot give an answer, and all I can really say sometimes, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, oftentimes, that's my only answer. And as a believer in Christ, I know this, that when things get tough, as a believer in Christ, here's the difference between a believer and a non-believer. When things get tough, Jesus walks along with me, and he grabs my hand, and he helps carrying me. And as a believer in Christ, when I'm struggling, I can pick up the phone, and I can call my brother here, and I can say, hey, uh, Brother Steve, will you pray with me? Can you, can you, can you just lay this in prayer because I'm struggling right now? That's the difference between a believer and a non-believer is I don't have to walk through this all by myself. I actually have the Lord walking with me, and then I have you guys walking with me. That's why we're family, right? That's why we're family. That's, uh, That's what we are here. And so Jesus is the answer to anything and everything that you could ever face. Do you believe that? I believe that 100%. Well, what about in the Old Testament? We were talking, uh, I was talking about Joseph, and, 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 and we find in stories in the Old Testament, and, 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 and I said this last week, but it's worth saying again, that for every New Testament principle, or every New Testament principle, which we see in Romans 8.28 is a promise of God, okay? There, there is an Old Testament example, okay? For every New Testament principle, every New Testament uh, promise, there is an Old Testament example, That qualifies that, okay? Uh, And so Jesus is the answer, and they understood whether they read it. They didn't know what Romans 8, 28 said, but they understood God, okay? So Joseph, here he is, That his life was far from perfect. But one thing I love about Joseph, his character was near perfect. He was near flawless in his journey, in his life. I mean, some of you have been given bad bad situations, but I can tell you this, that Joseph's situation was pretty rough. So his brothers, out of jealousy, I mean, his dad had given him a coat, and the, the King James Version says they had given him a coat of of many colors, and that it was a fancy coat, right? And, and th- we have to know this, too, that in those days, if you had a coat, you had sleeves, and if you had sleeves, you were some sort of foreman because everyone else had short sleeves because of how they worked and they needed to be free, but his coat probably had sleeves, long sleeves, and it was probably somewhere where he could keep documents or keep things, maybe put an apple up his sleeve, you know, so he wouldn't have to carry it around or set it down, whatever, his lunch, I don't know, but he was, he was there and he he was given this coat and then so his brothers are already jealous of him because Jacob's already showing him that he loves him, he he bought them a coat, you want to get your kids riled up, buy one kid something and not the other well, that's not fair, right? So there they are, and they are, they are upset. And so they take him, and they're out working, and he has given them this dream, and they are just fit to be tied with him. And they, they're like, hey, let's, let's throw him in the well. And they throw him in the well, and they're going to leave him there, and they decide not to leave him there. And then you know, the caravan's coming through, and they sell him into slavery. That's pretty harsh right they sell him to slavery they take his coat and when they take his coat they rip it up they put goat's blood on it and they take it back to Jacob and you talk about deceiving and lying to their own father that their brother had died that's just rotten well you know Jacob is the deceiver right so Jacob was really reaping what he just saying okay so there he is and so he goes, and then when he is he's taken into Egypt, he is a, a slave there. And while he's a slave in Potiphar's house, he began, God begins to advance him there and begins to open up avenues for him. And he's there, and he's working in the house. And while he's in the house, Potiphar got him a coat. I don't know what it was with Joseph and coats, but he always had coats. Someone's always giving him coats. So maybe if someone's giving you a coat, you might not ought to take it, Okay. But Potiphar gave him a coat, and in the house there where he's at, he's working, Potiphar's wife, she, the scripture says she saw him, and she had eyes for him. And in the process of, of trying to seduce him, he is runs away, and she gets his coat. Guess what? Now she has his coat. His brothers had his coat. Now she has his coat. What does she do? Because he didn't advance to her advances. he She basically screams and acts as if he advanced on her. And then he's thrown into jail. You ever had your integrity challenged? You ever been wrongfully accused of something? You ever had a miscommunication between somebody? And, and, and oftentimes in our walk with God, sometimes there's those situations where we're going through something and, and our integrity is challenged. And man, sometimes that hurts. And you're like, no, that's not what I meant, that's not what I said that is not the intent of my heart. And so we know that and then he's thrown into prison there and and many many uh Jewish rabbis and different people they have different timelines on how long he was in prison but somewhere between 10 to 12 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. So there he is and in in jail there in prison he interprets the dreams of the the baker and the butler and uh which would later put him in a position of promotion. And maybe you feel like you're overlooked in ministry. Okay, I'm, I'm talking to you today. We're going through, okay, so we're talking about we understand God's problems, so promises. So now we're looking at at the flip side of this. We're talking about his purpose. But his purpose doesn't always mean that it's going to be a bed of roses. Okay, so stay with me here. Stay with me. And maybe you feel like this. You're overlooked in ministry and that you haven't been given the opportunity that you should have been given. Anybody ever felt that way? Thank you, Brother Gerald. Right? And maybe, maybe that's you, and you say, man, no one cares about me. I'm just over here sitting in jail, interpreting dreams. I know that's, I know that's a tough and a time, timely word, but can I tell you this, that here's what I know about God. His timing is right. My timing is wrong. God's never early. God's never late. He's always right on time. And if you follow his instruction and you follow his plan, when you step into that, man, it's so much easier than when you try to force God's hand. All right. So I, uh, it, and, and here's the thing. And so in my life, there's been moments where I, I've tried to make things happen. And this is what happens. God always makes me fall flat on my face. <laughs> right? Anybody ever been there? God, that's how he operates with me. And I get a little humble pie. So in prison, there he is, Pharaoh has a dream, and in that dream, uh, the cupbearer tells uh, tells Pharaoh uh, Pharaoh that, or the, I'm sorry, yeah, the cupbearer or the butler tells Pharaoh uh, of this man who interprets dreams in prison because you remember the baker? <laughs> he was gone. All right. So there there he is, and so Joseph he goes and he tells Pharaoh, and he interprets this dream, and he says, "Hey, the dream that you had, the seven uh, skinny cows that come up out of the out of the Nile river when they come up and they eat the the hefty cows the, what what is going to happen is there's going to be seven uh, years that we need to store, and then there's going to be seven years uh, where it's going to be famine that 's what's going to happen, and so through his interpretation. Pharaoh does something awesome. He promotes Joseph to be the overseer, overseer of food and provision for Egypt. So this guy went from slave to, like, vice pharaoh within, what, 13, 14 years there. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive, right? I mean, I, I tell you what, God's timing is amazing. And I say all of this to just tell you this, that your life may not be going perfect, but I can tell you this. That when God is working in you and things don't look like they're working out, God is working all things together for the good of them who are called according to his purpose. It's not my purpose. It's his purpose. Here's the third one. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. Here's the third one. We have to make room for his purpose and my issue and your issue and is that we make plans of our own and intentions and when things don't work out right we we often get frustrated and we're ready to quit that's that's me that's what i do when i when i when i done it in my own power i get frustrated and i get i get upset and i i want to quit and i want to walk away i've been there tj have you ever wanted to quit ministry every monday i'm just kidding I'm just kidding. But we need to understand this, that all that we're going through in our life as believers, we understand this. Here's the, here's the qualifier for that Romans eight twenty eight promise is, number one, you've got to be a believer. All things work together for the good of them that what? Love. Love the Lord and are what? So you're not going to be called by God if you're not a believer. I'm not saying God can't use you if you're not a believer, but can I tell you, you're not going to be called by God, okay? So that word, that, that promise there is given to believers. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, are you a believer? I'm not talking about the monkeys, okay? And I saw her face. Okay, come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. All right. Can I tell you this? It's his purpose, not mine. It's his purpose, not mine. And I've learned this, and this is a tough lesson. And I'm guilty of not giving God room to work his purpose in my life. There's been times where I've shut God out and thought, I'm going to do what I want to do. And the whole time, God's just like, man, if you'll just give me some room to work with this, I can turn all this mess that you've created into something good proverbs nineteen twenty one says this you can make many plans but the lord's purpose will prevail you know what that tells me just do what god wants you to do <laughs> you can make all the plans you want but what really needs to happen in my life and your life is i just need to submit to his plan his purpose his purpose I'm sure Joseph had moments of doubts in Potiphar's house being accused of coming on to his wife and probably thought this ain't fair this ain't right I'm sure when he was in prison for years he probably thought this ain't right why am I here God you you gave me a dream remember he gave him a dream my brother's going to bow down to me I am in prison. I don't know how that's going to happen, Lord. don't know how you're going to work that one out. Maybe God's giving you a dream, and maybe you feel like it's impossible, but can I tell you, nothing is impossible with God. And here he is. He's probably looking at his life, and he's probably evaluating. I would be, if I was stuck in prison, I'd be evaluating my choices, going, what did I do wrong here? And there, he probably doesn't even know where his brothers are. He's in Egypt. He knows they're probably somewhere his father is and he's like I don't I don't know where they're at so maybe that was just a wash I'm in a foreign land and the truth of the matter is this all you have to do for God's plan and his purpose to work in your life is just trust in him that's it now though, that's easy to say that's harder to live out than it is to 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 say we could say that all day long but man when you have to put that into practice, when you have to trust God, when it looks dark, when you have to trust God, when someone in your family is chronically sick, when you have to trust God for, for whatever the case, whatever the, the scenario, okay? Jesus would say in the garden, he would, say, and I love this because Jesus even understood what it meant to submit to God. He said, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, uh, I'm in my human flesh right now. I'm struggling, but Lord, it's not my will but Thine. It's Your purpose. And Your purpose for me is that I die and I raise again. And I'm not excited about having to do this, but there will be no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And Christ knew that. Genesis 42 tells us that the famine in the land made Jacob send his sons to the land of Egypt. And Joseph, being the governor over the food, would recognize his brothers. And they didn't recognize him. You know why? Because he'd been in Egypt a long time. He probably looked like an Egyptian. They didn't recognize him, but he recognized them. Okay. Time for a little, little payback here now. I know who you guys are. And he began to ask them questions, right? And he would accuse them of being spies. And, and then he would say, hey, I'm going to lock up Simeon. And this is what I need you to do. If you guys say you are who you say you are, <laughs> Go back. You have another brother. Bring him here. I want to see him. But I'm going to keep this guy here. So what do they do? They go all the way back fast forward back to Jacob and they tell Jacob that Simeon is still in jail and in Egypt and they want Benjamin to come back. And this is listen to this. I want you to look at what Jacob says here. That this I'm coming to a point here. I'm bringing this all together right here. He says something here. Genesis 42:36 says, "And Jacob their father said to them, you have bereaved me of my children." Joseph is no more. Remember he thought his son was dead. And Simeon is no more because he thinks Simeon's in jail and he ain't coming back, right? And now you would take Benjamin. And look, what, look at his words here. All this has come against me. All of this has come against me. I lost Joseph, and now I Simeon's in jail. And now you want to take Benjamin back there? Listen. I suspected you guys did something to Joseph. I never really trusted you guys. You think I'm going to put Benjamin back in your hands and let you take him all the way to Egypt? You already lost Simeon over there. The King James Version says, Jacob said this, everything is working against me. Have you ever felt that way? Felt like, man, this isn't going my way, and this isn't going my way, and, and I'm struggling, and... I am just tired. Why is everything working against me? You ever been there? I have. I have. And maybe that's how you feel in your life, that everything is working against you. But I want to encourage you today to make room for the work of his purpose in you. Jacob is speaking the opposite of Romans 8, 28. And he's saying, God's not working you out for everything, but he's working it against me. That's what he's saying. Whether you realize that or are like, oh, TJ, I thought that every Old Testament story, uh, you know, New Testament principle was an Old Testament story. Well, in this case, he's doing the opposite. But look, but look, but look. Fast forward there. And we go back to Joseph. And when they come back to Joseph with Benjamin, Joseph finally confesses to them who he really is. And you remember the story. All his brothers, what did they do? They bowed in fear. That dream, they bowed in fear because they realized, man, we, we are at the mercy of Joseph right now. Listen, some of you have been given dreams, but let me tell you something. Don't forfeit that dream because you're frustrated, you're upset at where you're at because God is working all things together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose my purpose, his purpose. Genesis 50, 20 says this. Joseph, he says this. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God. Hey, brothers, you guys are bowing and you guys meant evil for me? But look, look, but God meant it for Good, here's the qualifier. To bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Here's Joseph, he's saying this. Hey, you guys thought that you guys messed up, but really all you did was put me in the position for God to use me in a greater way. Not my purpose, his purpose. His purpose over my life. You thought by throwing me in the well, and you thought by selling me as a slave, and Potiphar's wife thought by accusing me, and people uh, living in prison, they thought that they had me. But let me tell you what God was doing. He was just working all those things, bringing them all together and saying, oh, look at this mess. I'm going to make something good out of this. I love people that can take a junk pile and turn something good out of a junk pile. Then go to a junkyard and go, oh, I need this piece, this, this piece, this piece. And they bring out a restored car. I'm not that guy. I can bring out some junk, but I am not going to bring out anything pretty, right? But God takes junk and he turns it to good. See, God meant for good. His purpose was greater than maybe the loneliness that you're feeling, maybe the weakness that you're feeling, maybe the doubt that you're feeling. Here's what happened: Is the people of Israel were sustained because God worked His purpose in Joseph. If you love God, are called by Him. Let me give you that, also known as a believer. Then whatever you're going through, God is working it out for your good, for His purpose and His plan. That's the qualifier: You got to love God. You got to be called by God called you call christ your savior let me tell you he's called you what was he called me to do to reach the loss okay that's your that's your calling right there it's love on people that's your calling right there simple love god i'm gonna wrap this up remember the promises that god says about you and for you here's the thing okay we got to go back to that what did god say about you what do you know that god says about you Stop believing the lies of doubt. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. Stop believing the the things that tell you to quit, to give up. Because that's what the enemy wants you to do. Start believing what God says. And if if the guy from Canada is right, and there are 7,487 promises in here, find them. Search them out. God says you are the head, not the tail. He calls you a masterpiece. He says you are more than a conqueror. Right? Those are promises. Okay. Here's the second thing. Know that on this journey, it will not be perfect, and you'll deal with some tough circumstances and some tough situations. But know this. In the middle of all the trials and situations and doubt and fear and all that, you have God. Let me tell you who else you have. You also have this church family. Everyone look around and say, I got you. I got you. I got you here's the last portion make room for his purpose instead of being like Jacob and doubting in frustration Jacob was at wit's end I've lost Joseph I'm going to lose Simeon and now you want to take Benjamin Lord are you working all this against me instead of being like Jacob be like Joseph hey guys it's okay what you guys meant for harm or what the enemy meant for harm was actually working in my favor look where it's put me going to be able to eat for the next seven years i'm still mad at you guys but you're going to be able to eat because you know reuben you're going to eat really good because it's your fault i'm over here right make room for his purpose be like joseph and listen listen to this i want i want to show you this romans eight twenty eight 28 and its completion here uh, At verse 31, here's the, here's the qualifier. This is, and this whole part, portion of scripture, if you put the context of what it is, it's talking about going uh, from suffering to glory, from suffering to glory. How many know in our lives, sometimes we're going from struggles and pains to glory. The Bible tells us that we're going from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Okay? Romans eight twenty-eight says this, and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose verse 29 for those who he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers verse 30 and those whom he has predestined he also called and those whom he called he also justified God is calling your name today I don't want to get in, into the whole topic of predestination and all this. I, I, could, I, could, I could break that apart for you. I don't want to do that right now, but I could just tell you this. I'll just give you a quick example. Imagine a, 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 a Bobby Fischer. How many know who Bobby Fischer is? The, the, the chess player, okay? Imagine if you were to play chess against Bobby Fischer. Bobby Fischer could look at the chessboard and see your move and probably see hundreds of moves ahead of you. And you're a novice. You don't even know which way they go. And that's the way it is with God. God has already got you pegged. You think you have free will. You think, hey, I'm going to move the, this 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 one this direction. God's like, I've already moved three moves ahead of you. You don't even know I've already set things in motion. Okay, look at this. Look at this. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Look at verse 31. I love this right here. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Stand with me all across this building. Listen, listen. Listen, Linda. I'm sorry. God is working it out for his purpose. Okay? His purpose. i me encourage you. Say I'm not I'm not getting my way. Work he's working it out for his purpose in your life and what God wants for you is better than what you want for you. I promise you. I promise you. Let's bow our heads. God, I thank you for this day. God, thank you for this word. God, I pray, Lord, that in this pursuit of making room, God, that we make room for your purpose in our life. God, we have our plans, but your purpose prevails. Our plans fail. Your purpose always prevails. So, God, I would rather walk in the promise of your purpose than my plan. God, you open doors that no man can open. Lord, you shut doors that no man can shut. God, you make a way in the desert where there seems to be no way. God, you speak to mountains and they move. You speak to the sea and it opens up. God, you speak to rivers and people cross. Is there anything too hard for you? Lord, if you are for us, who can be against us? So Lord, we stand in that today. Lord, we know that you've got a greater purpose and a greater plan for us. And God, we trust in you in your mighty name. If you're here today and you say, hey, pastor, I want you to pray for me. I want you to just, I've been struggling in my heart. And it feels like the cares of this life, things are just all over the place. No, I'm just in a place of doubt and frustration. I want to speak to you today. I want to speak life into you. I just want to tell you, God's working it for your good. Love the Lord. He's working it for your good. If you're called by, He's working it for your good. It's for His purpose. You say, Hey, Pastor, will you pray with me? And with just no one looking around, you'd lift your hand and say, Pastor, just pray for me this week. Anybody in the building, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands going up everywhere, hands going up everywhere. stretch your hand this way. Lord, I pray for each and every person in this house. God, I pray, Lord, that you would remind us this week, God, as we maybe will be snowed in and whatever the case. God, we know that what we don't know what tomorrow holds. We just trust in you. But God, this week, God, may we be reminded, Lord, that you are working it all out for our, for your purpose, Lord. God, remind us, Lord, that that all it takes is us loving you, Lord, and us being called by you. And Lord, you're ordering our steps. You're moving things around. You're changing things for us. And God, we believe, know you have a plan and a greater purpose. So, Lord, we trust in your purpose and not our own. God, we give you adoration and praise. God, I pray for those who are struggling in their heart. God, give them comfort. God, give them peace in these moments, God, in this time. God, I pray for direction for those who are, who are lost. Ask these things. Lord, in the mighty uh, name of Jesus, come on and give Jesus a hand clap of praise.